time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Let me be the first to admit that I was probably a strange little child uh, when I was younger and probably still am a bit. Um, I've been teased by my kids about my nerdy and geeky self. Uh, and my daughter has shared with me her disagreement with my choice of ringtones on my phone because it's the Star Wars theme. And if I know you, you get the opening theme uh, for uh, the light side. And if I don't know you, you get Darth Vader's March. And that's how I've got it on my phone. And she tells me how nerdy and geeky I am. But that probably has roots way back into my childhood when I did magic and uh, had other kind of uh, strange interests along the way. But one of the things that I think back and think about is that I had this thought in my head. What is it like to know something? I remember as a child, I was thinking, what would it be like if I knew about physics or if I knew about how to fly a spaceship or if I knew how to fight a fire or if I knew how to be a doctor, how to be a brain surgeon? I remember just wondering what that unit of knowledge would do, how it would change me if I knew some aspect of something that, that I didn't at that time know. And along the way, it, it made me aware of these units of thought and, and of knowledge and what they do to us to create who we are. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's, you know, knowledge is everywhere now. And who needs to know that because it's all around? Well, here's why I bring this up. There's this belief around us that knowledge is power. And here we are awash in knowledge. You know, Google is just a few keystrokes away, and you can pretty much find out anything there. Not always accurate, but at least you can find some information there. And so we have this belief that knowledge is right at our fingertips. And what I've realized is knowledge is not at all power. Applied knowledge is power. And many times we fall short of applying the knowledge that we may already have. We fall short of stepping into something we may already know. Last week on the last podcast, I talked about choosing a fierce life. And I also talked about the fact that I had kind of struggled with that word and even trying to decide how to pick it for myself. Was I living a fierce life? And what I've realized is that there are steps in becoming, steps of stepping into choosing a fierce life, of how you live that life. There's this strong connection between our beliefs and our behavior, but I think we might have it a little bit twisted. For instance, I always wonder, you know, am I a runner and am I a writer? And you might wonder the same thing. You know, at what point do you become an athlete? At what point do you become a runner? Is it the first time you go run or is it when you've run a race or when it is it? You know, at that, what point is that? And I've talked to many people who, you know, look at me and say, okay, so you're an author. And I struggle with that. Am I an author? Well, of course I am because I've done writing and I've got a book. But where do you take in that knowledge base? And that's part of my question. I remember years ago when I became a scuba diver, I would chat with people about that because, you know, that was what I was doing. And so I was all about talking about the dives I'd been on and the training I was going through and all of those other things. It always happened when we're you know, kind of high on some new activity. And so I was talking with people and they would often say, oh, I'm a diver too. And I would follow up with, oh, well, Tell me about that. Where, where have you been diving and when have you been diving? And just kind of the, the curious questions of, of what they were doing at that point. What surprised me 
for the beginning part, but less so over time, was how many people said, oh, well, I got certified 20 years ago and I haven't been diving since, or, oh, I haven't been diving in the last 10 years. And it made me wonder, at what point do you no longer claim that you're a diver? Or maybe when you stop running, when do you say, well, I'm no longer a runner? And there are all these self-identity questions that come in with our knowledge base, with our activity base, with our behavior base. And so this is going to be true with this whole idea of living a fierce life. At what point do you say, I'm living a fierce life? Well, I think as soon as you begin the process, you can claim that. The question is how you step into that belief. Living a fierce life is about choosing the behaviors that move you toward that life, that move you toward the life you want to have. And I would argue that as soon as you make the choice to move in that direction, You've started the process, and as soon as you begin the behaviors that allow you to do that, you've become that. When I think about beliefs, I always go back to one of my favorite authors and and favorite thinkers, and that's Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck is a professor who talks about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And it's an idea that opens up so much potential for us because once you identify it, you realize how much you probably live a fixed mindset. Now, what Carol Dweck says is that we all live in a combination of fixed mindsets and growth mindsets, that it's not just that we live with a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, but that there are places in our lives where we have a growth mindset and other places where we have a fixed mindset. So first, a definition. A fixed mindset is the belief that there is some inborn, kind of genetically coded skill level that people have. So when we look at a child and we say, oh man, you're just a natural athlete, or you're just natural at music, or you're just natural as uh, at math, or natural as a writer, we're assigning them something that is kind of preordained because it's, it's within their genetic code. And it denies the fact that they did anything to get there. You know, we forget about the fact that those natural athletes, as we put in quotes, have been doing athletic stuff all of their lives. And as they do, they've gotten better and better. And so we stamp them with that idea that they're just a natural. And so we can look at greats all around us and believe that they are just naturals. That's a fixed mindset. The growth mindset says that we can become more and more of who we want to be, that we can take on new tasks, that if we want to get better at something, it's a matter of mastering the skills of that, of practicing it. And so when we decide to have a growth mindset, we believe that we can grow into something more and more, that we can learn new ways of being. If you're familiar with the whole idea of mastering something, there has been this idea that it takes 10,000 hours to master something which really undermines the whole idea of it being an inborn thing, that that someone is just a natural at it, that they have somehow practiced until they've mastered it. Now, there's also a lot of research that shows that that 10,000 hours isn't necessary and that sometimes 10,000 hours isn't enough, that if you're practicing incorrectly, 10,000 hours of practicing incorrectly just leads you to master it incorrectly. And some skills are mastered very quickly. Yeah, It may take 10,000 hours to be a masterful neurosurgeon, but it may only take a few hours to master a knitting stitch or something like that. So there is a difference in the skills that we're trying to master and how long it takes, but it, you can become better and better at it. 
I remember years ago, just kind of being struck with this in my office. I had a couple there and the man was having a very hard time deciding how to relate differently to his wife and learning how to relate. And he said, I'm just not good at this. I'm not good at relationships. I'm not good at this spousal thing. And as he talked, I noticed that he was less reluctant to see that in his skills as a salesman. That's what he did day to day. He was a salesperson. And so one weekend they were away. He was away at a, a sales convention and they came back and he had been at this, this sales presentation skill. And he was talking about how he felt like he had really mastered some new skills and how he had really expanded his skills as a salesperson. I said, how'd that happen? He said, well, I went to this training and the training gave me the step-by-step guide. And, and I really took that in and I've been practicing it for the past few days and I can see the change. And I said, isn't it interesting that when it comes to your sales, when it comes to your professional life, you see how you can build in the skills of that. You can become better and better at that. But when you talk about your spousal relationship, you just say, I'm not good at it. That's just not my skill set. I don't know how to do that. And I'm wondering if we can take some of that growth mindset that you hold in your sales skills and transfer it over to your relationship where you have a fixed mindset that just believes that you're just this way. Because for, for many sessions, he told me how his wife was just a natural at being a good spouse and just a natural at relating, and he just didn't have that. And so we began to look at where that fixed mindset ha- held him back and where the growth mindset was elsewhere in his life. And all he had to do was transfer it from one place to another. That's the nature of a growth mindset. Whenever we adopt a growth mindset, we can adapt to that new mindset and move in new directions that held us back before. I've never thought of myself as much of an athlete. And yet when I look at my life now, I notice that I trail run multiple times during the week and I go paddle boarding and I've done a lot of sports activities and been in a lot of endurance races and run a marathon. And at some point I have to ask myself the question, at what point would I attribute that to myself? Well, I realize it's partly because in my childhood, I wasn't particularly good at the sports. I was pretty gangly and didn't have a whole lot of muscle mass. And so I wasn't very good at what I was trying to do. And then I look back and realize I also didn't apply myself repeatedly to learn the skills. I gave up because I just didn't feel like that was me. And maybe I gave up too soon. Maybe I didn't have a growth mindset that would have carried me forward and taught me some lessons about being an athlete and about assuming that identity. And you see, that's that connection between your beliefs and your identity. When do you choose to step into something? There are some clues when we're playing with a fixed mindset. When you say, I'm not blank, I'm not an athlete, I'm not a writer, I'm not naturally good at this, I'm not, and you name it. That tells you you've, you've adopted a fixed mindset around that. Instead of saying, I could get better at that, we just adopt a place of constants. I am not blank. That is not a fierce life. That's a fear life. Or you might say, I can't blank. And as I've talked about in the past, there are a number of can'ts that are out there. One I can't is, I can't yet. I don't have the skills for it. There is another I can't, and that I can't is, I won't. I just choose not to do that. And if that's the case, we can accept that and say, that's just part of who we're choosing to be at that point. We're not going to step into something else. But the I can't of, it's not yet because I don't have the skills, I'm not at the right place in life, lots of other pieces. That can be changed as we decide to go after the skills that get us to a different place. But the I can't part of that often points to that fixed mindset, not the growth mindset of who could I become. 
And there's also the I'm fill in the blank. You know, I'm a procrastinator. I don't follow through. I'm not good with people. I'm, and you fill in a negative attribute to yourself, and you, you can use that as a fixed point of reference. That somehow within you is the place where you can't show up on time or you, you, know, you can't work with people directly or whatever else you add in there. Again, these are places where we step out of a, fi- a fierce life and lived in a fear life. Because when we use those as excuses, we don't ever challenge ourselves to step into something different. We watch ourselves stuck in a fear life. And I say that from my own place where I many times will say, I can't blank or I won't blank or I'm not blank or I fill in the blank with some negative attribute. And I have to step back and say, how can I move in a new direction? How can I adopt a growth mindset in that area? How can I move towards a different place? I think there are some ways of doing that. And they are the steps of the process. So let's t- talk about these steps of the process of choosing uh, to challenge our uh, beliefs and choosing to move beyond the beliefs we currently have into becoming someone else. So think about something that you don't currently believe yourself to be, but maybe would like to move in a new direction. Maybe you want to see yourself as a runner, or maybe you want to see yourself as an author or a painter or somebody that is doing something different than what you're doing. Here are the steps of how you might get there. The first one is the importance of the start, that really all of these pieces are unlocked by doing something to get there. The importance of the start. If you want to get into shape, doing things that move you in that direction, starting that process. Now, it's not enough to go order uh, a workout outfit that you think looks really sharp and having really cool shoes to do it in. That is a starting point, but it's not the starting point of the process. It's the starting point of the starting point. Or maybe if you want to write, you uh, the first thing you do is you go and you, you grab your word processing program and put it on your computer. That's the start of the start. You still haven't written one word. I've talked with people who want to go into an online business, and I ask what they've done, and they tell me that they've paid money for a logo, and they've paid money for a web page, and they've paid money for all of this training. And I said, well, what have you done to go online? And they always tell me some reason that they haven't yet started. So all of those activities on the front side is not what we're talking about. The importance of the start is the importance of starting the activity that gets you there. For instance, if you want to be a runner, the starting of that activity is running. And maybe it's a walk run. Maybe you start with a brisk walk, but you're doing something moving you in that, that path. If you want to be an author, to sit down and start writing some words on a page would make you that. If you want to start painting, to actually put a pen or a um, brush to some medium, some way of starting that process. If you want to start playing guitar, to pick up the guitar and actually learn some chords, whatever you want to do to start the process of that activity. That's the importance of the start. We all have to begin at that place. Then there's the importance of the plan. If you want to become a runner and you've begun to run, it's not enough to do it one day. How many days a week are you going to do it? How many miles do you want to go? If you want to become a writer, how many words per day are you going to write? What type of writing are you going to do? 
if you want to play the guitar, how many days are you going to go to practice? And how many days are you going to take lessons? And how many days are you going to apply towards that? That's the plan. So there's the importance of the plan. But here's the next step, and that's the importance of execution. A plan is a lot of fun. A lot of people put together lots of plans, but they never follow through. I remember when I was at the gym, I would notice people. They would, they would suddenly hit the gym in January. The, the gym in January is a madhouse full of people, all with this plan in their hand. And I noticed as the weeks went by, the people began to thin out until nobody was there. Now, they had started. They had a plan, but they didn't follow through with the execution. Execution is where we follow that plan. It's fine to not have a plan when you first start. You may not even know what you're going to get into. You may not know what you're aiming towards. There are lots of people who just decide that they want to get into shape, and so they start to run. And then they create a plan on how they want to to run, how many miles per week they want to do it, and what kind of terrain and how they're going to do that. And then they have to execute it. They have to go out and, and do that. Because after execution comes expansion. So you execute your plan. And so for the first few weeks, you've run a few miles and then you decide to crank it up. That's the expansion. You decide to run a few more miles and you decide to build up until you're running 40 miles in a week. That's the expansion of that. You decide to build that up until you're running a marathon. That's the expansion of that. Now, we have this this scenario where we begin with the start. Then we build our plan. Then we build our execution and then we build our expansion. But what you want to step back and realize is your identity changed with the start. If you started running, you can decide you're a runner. If you started writing, you can decide you're a writer. If you started playing the guitar, you can decide you're a guitar player. Now, you may not be an excellent guitar player or an excellent runner or an excellent writer, but you've started the process to move in that direction. One way to think about this is something that James Clear points out. It's the difference between product and identity. A lot of people get caught up in the product. They want to have a six-pack. Well, that's the results of something, and they're so focused on the product that they never make the process happen because the process is where we can, can grab hold of. There's the process of living a healthy life. That happens day by day. But it's the process versus the product. Whenever we're caught up in the product, that's a danger point. You know, I have a six-pack. That's, that's a very different goal than saying I am living healthily. I'm moving in a healthy direction. And so as we begin to think about how we change it, notice that identity can change your beliefs. And your beliefs begin to change your activities. So if you decide to live a healthy life, that you're going to live healthily, that begins to affect how you go about these other things. The importance of the start, if you're going to live a healthy life, is choosing the places that you're going to intervene. Maybe you start with one thing. Maybe you decide that you're going to give up soft drinks, a great way of beginning to be a more healthy person. So that's your start. And then as you get rid of the soft drinks, you may begin to expand that into other areas and decide you don't need to eat those cookies or whatever it is that might call your name. That's your plan. And then you realize that your plan, you execute it. So every day you don't have that soft drink and every day you skip those cookies and pretty soon you're executing your plan and noticing the results. And so then you expand it. And this is how we make changes anywhere in life. As we allow those changes to expand, 
we notice how quickly it expands in all of our life. I've talked about this before, about when I decided to take care of my body. I'd been sick, and I was trying to get in better shape. And so I went to the gym. That was the beginning point. And the reason I went to the gym is because I'd done so poorly in the swimming pool when I was trying to learn to scuba dive. So off to the gym I went because I wanted to be a better scuba diver. I had that, that thing in mind. And as I began to work out, I began to notice that every time I was working out and I was losing a little bit of weight, if I wasn't careful, I would eat and erase all of my progress. So then I wanted to watch how I was eating. And as I began to watch how I was eating, I began to notice how I was feeling in other areas. And I began to take care of those areas, too. And it began to expand all because I started with a start. There was a place I began. I walked into the gym and started exercising. And then I created a plan of how I wanted to do that. And I created a plan later of how I wanted to eat. And then there was the execution of that. And as I executed it, it began to expand in other areas. I can tell you that I never expected to have a six-pack. That was not ever my goal um, and is not currently my goal. But my goal is to live a healthy life. That's the process. Whenever we're focused on the process, we don't have to worry about the results. The results will come along. And this is how we build the fierce life, by choosing the life we want to live into and not allowing the fear of not being able to be that, not having that as our capacity. Those are the times that we get stuck in a fixed mindset. Choose a growth mindset. Find those places where you have a fixed mindset that is keeping you from a fierce life and adopt a growth mindset. Then remember the importance of the start. Then remember the importance of the plan. Then remember the importance of execution. And then remember the importance of expansion. As you do that, you build your fierce life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.